0: To literary license podcast retrospective of Batman the animated series and the new adventures of Batman and Robin, where we explore four episodes from the classic 90s television show. Literature lessons podcast, and it's Batman Week. We'll be discussing four episodes of Batman. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We've got Joe Rendazzo with us. Hello, Joe. Hey everyone. <clears throat> and Sean Stefan with us. Hello, Sean. Hey everybody. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Joe. What have you been up to?
1: Uh well I'm going to be hosting the uh the QA with Lynn Lowry next Friday. Uh, October 20th at the Twisted Dreams Film Festival in Milwaukee. Uh, it's going to be following the 50th, uh, 50th anniversary screening of The Crazies. So if you're in the Milwaukee area, come out. Um, uh, the mainly George, the George to- Romero
0: Crazies, right?
1: Yes. The original one from 73. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll be running the Q and A with Lynn Lowry. So I've been watching a couple of her movies. I went back and watched, uh, The Cat People a few days ago. I'm probably going to watch the crazies tonight. I'm going to probably watch it, uh, just watch it once and then probably sit through it again and just take like a bunch of detailed notes in a few days. Um, I mean, that's mainly what I, that's going to be the main thing that I'm doing now. I know I've got to check out a new movie that she's, uh, she's got that's premiering at the festival. So I've got to, I've got to talk to the director about that. And, uh, Get a get a a screening going before it premieres so I could have some idea of what to ask her before uh, before the movie. Um, Yeah, besides that, uh, that's that's mainly what I'm doing right now because I, am you know, a lot of stuff. It's a busy time. Um, But yeah, mainly focusing on that because that's coming up uh, right around the corner.
2: Hmm. What about yourself, Sean? What are you up to? Well, uh, I've been working. uh, I'm going through this thing at my house uh, with a uh, remodel. So that's been stressful. Uh, And I've also been watching a lot of TV. Uh, I've watched The Continental on Peacock, the John Wick three-part miniseries. Uh, I think the two biggest problems that this show had, one, from the second I walked out of the theater, uh, I got hit with a text message promoting this show uh it walked out of the theater for John Wick 4. Uh there was a mailing list I want to say around the time of John Wick 3 like hey enter in your number and we'll give you exclusive trailers. I completely forgot I I did it. So fast forward a couple of years uh coming coming ne- next will be the ballerina with uh Ana de Armas in the John Wick movie. But a second I left the theater uh for John Wick 4 I got hit with this trailer for the Continental. And I remember thinking, I'm like, this could go one of two ways. This could either be really good, because you're going to expand the lore, maybe you could do a little bit more, or this could be horrible. Unfortunately, it's the latter. Uh, it's not <laughs> It's not the worst thing in the world. I've seen so a lot worse. Ahsoka falls into that category in terms of being a bigger letdown. I like the show, but it's a big letdown. This was like greatly disappointing. The main problem is they're trying to do John Wick on the budget of Daredevil, and I love Daredevil. I love mm-hmm. Netflix's Daredevil; it's one of my favorite shows. But you can't do something as grand as John Wick on that budget. You're going to have a lot. It, I Look you, at the first movie? What? What? Look at the first movie. You could do John Wick on a on, no, on no. A low, you, you nightclubs. Uh, they had uh bigger car chases. You had more epic. It felt more open. This, it felt like, no, we're on a set. This felt like we can do short, small hallway fights. I think a lot of this, honestly, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you told me that some of the sets were the same place. The whole opening sequence with the uh brother of Winston, who is basically a John Wick clone, he looks, I, I, to the point that I thought he was Keanu's stunt double. If you told me he was Keanu's stunt double, I would not be shocked. Uh, he Uh He's doing this whole action sequence around a spiral staircase. It felt like something out of Daredevil. It it was almost a one-take, but there was a lot of cuts in it. But it felt like a Daredevil one-take sequence. And uh, short hallway fights, a lot of close-knit corners. It didn't have that grand, we're going to pull back the camera and show the epicness of these fight scenes. Uh, We're not going to pull back and show the car chases in full. It felt like, no, we have an asylum budget to a Netflix show budget and we're not going to and as a result it felt like it suffered also the characters it felt cartoonish because when you get into the world of the continental and all the assassins and all that stuff they're not as played up john wick 3 a little bit because you have the sushi chef no, they're not. I see that face you're making, Joe, and no, they can't see it on the on the podcast, but no. he's making a Dude, face.
1: The, the stuff with the Continental has always been cartoonish and stupid in the week. No, I, parties said parties the hit the men. I said the hitmen.
2: I said the hitmen, the individual hitmen. They're all about business. They're not gimmicks. They're, uh, they're professionals, and that's the thing. The sushi chef he has a, a, in part three is the one exception. Everyone else, a, a Common in part two? He's not uh, he's not he's a professional. He's guarding his uh, his uh his uh the, the head one of the heads of the uh the organization. Did tell but me Lawrence,
1: Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne's homeless king. He's not a finished? hitman.
2: He's not a hitman. There's a difference. He's an extension. I said the hitmen. The hitmen. They're not played like cartoon characters in that. He's not oh the hitman. The, the bosses are played like cartoon characters, absolutely. That's my big issue bosses, with John Wick two and three is that they became cartoon characters. The boss, okay, the bosses are absolutely cartoon characters. The hitmen are not, and that's the that's the argument I make. The bosses are always the thing. The hitmen are the professional. In this show, you have the woman who is the body double for uh, what was that malignant? That the one, the bat when uh, when yeah, the lead a malignant turns into the backwards man, and and starts doing all the contortionist fight scenes. She plays like a Boris and Natasha style evil twin with this other silent guy. They both play mute assassins, doing all these weird acrobatic things and fight scenes. And it's I'm like, okay, this is just weird. It feels like a gimmick. You have the the adjudicator. She's wearing a face mask, like something out of Phantom of the Opera, and in her face because her face has been burned by acid. You have, uh, and she has this big burly mountain Scotsman in a kilt who's just is a silent man with her at all times. And it's just, I'm like, okay, this feels like you've missed the point of what makes John wick special. And nobody understands what makes John, John wick special. And they're all kind of putting in their own little pieces of, this is what we think. This is what we think. And at the end of the day, what makes John wick special? You got Keanu and he does cool action sequences and you killed his dog and you stole his car. And, yeah, if you stole my car and killed my dog, I want to fucking fuck you up like Keanu just did,
1: too. That, that's All my complaints about, about John Wick 2 and 3 are put into a series with a lower budget, and now everyone sees it.
2: No, but here's my problem. I don't have a problem if you're going to use a three-part mini series to world-build. I like world-building. And if you're going to do it outside of the movies, and you're going to give room for this lore to build, or lore to grow, and say, so, okay, maybe we can do little Easter eggs here and there— that's I don't mind it because if you do it in this format, it's not going to take away from the main plot of the movies. You, give me it in these forms. It, that, that's what I thought the Disney shows were going to be so that if I did, if you want to have a little bit extra and, and it wasn't required viewing, then it was then it's OK. Unfortunately, the Disney shows became a qu- required viewing. Uh, For the movies, and it got to the point where the market became oversaturated. This was just supposed to be a three-part miniseries. I figured, okay, you'd get action sequences, you'd build out the hotel, you do that, and then be done with it. And okay, fine, a little thing, but they did it in such a way that the budget was so cheap and this writing was so lazy. And oh, here's the story of how Winston and and Siobhan met. You're like, okay, cool. I, I don't I
0: don't know. it's, it's over oh, here it's on Amazon Prime over in this country.
1: I, okay. I, I I I can't I I can't like everything that I say about these things Fucking two, three years ago, everyone eventually comes around to realizing no. I was right all along. Jesus it's Christ. not. I don't think. I don't think you were right all along all, <laughs> at all. Dude. I was right I about think... the Disney shows. I was like, yeah. The problem is, you're you forced to watch these stupid shows to keep up with the movies. Re-
2: no, that's because they sold it on a lie. They sold it as, no, this could be a little extra. We don't have uh, to be required What they wanted, it.
0: I think, what Disney wanted is you got to remember when they're pitching these shows and bringing these shows out. I think it's. Get that Marvel money into their yeah. Disney Plus streaming channel, doesn't it? The,
2: they had their initial idea. We were going to do some stuff, side stuff, and then Bob Chapek cranked up the volume to eleven and said, "No, more multiple Star Wars, multiple Marvel, multiple everything, because people are watching it. We need to get more." To the point that the market became so oversaturated. And I mean, they just fired the entire. That they, way, they the entire, they'll have to
0: get Disney Plus because they're yeah. so invested in the Marvel because they're making so much money that they'll have to watch the series, which will give them more subscribers to this. And in order, for, and they're going to have to watch these series in order to be able to enjoy the movies when they come out. <laughs> that funny.
2: was, I think, I think that that was the CEO the at the time's grand vision and completely realizing, no, you're you're uh, devaluing your overall product yeah. by doing this and. <laughs> We've gotten to a point now where I, I think I mean, I think they've realized it by firing everybody at the, the Daredevil team uh, and and flat out saying yeah, we're rebooting. That being said I every, what I've heard uh, about the first episode that they keep talking about with uh, certain characters from the old show, maybe not sticking around, I uh, I, uh, I I worry. I, I, I think I'm like, maybe they'll do an about face on it. I don't think so. I think that certain character states are already sealed but i i think that uh maybe they'll realize an actual writers room and an actual showrunner with a with a with a multi-season bible that they map out maybe that's the way to go the traditional television instead of just having a bunch of writers room throwing thing uh, people in a writers room throwing stuff at a wall seeing what sticks and going with it
1: so so yeah basically all us out of touch old people were right yes
0: Yes. Pretty much. Well, I remember like um when I was trying to get T V series off the ground and my agent, you know, had to send stuff. I remember what you had to write was five episodes, have a Bible that gave you the first and you wrote out what the first season is, and then you had to write out what the scope of the second season was gonna be. And you also had to write down a breakdown of all your characters and what they're and I remember having to do I still have all the stuff that you know that used to get sent out this was like back in the 90s so um yeah th- and today it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like things are that planned out anymore <laughs> no god no well no
2: i mean the uh it's, the funny,
0: it's kind of sad because if you look at it series now are shorter i mean they're only like 8 to 13 episodes
2: I think eight is the good sweet spot for a sw- streaming series. I think six to eight, six, maybe a little is not enough secret invasion. W- uh, Overstate. It's welcome. That could have been, that could have been an hour. That could have been an hour long thing. It didn't really have yeah. six I, episodes. Yeah. But so it, I, I, I think I remember, eight is the sweet spot. Eight is the good sweet spot. Right. I
1: think I remember as much as I like Jessica Jones by episode episodes, 10 just like you, you, by the you end were... of it it just became like why are we doing this
2: halfway through nine halfway through nine or it was either nine or ten you turned to me and said this doesn't need to happen we we reached our logical conclusion and then you ranted for the next episode and a
1: half about that I remember it's a bit like uh, some... American
0: Horror Story is really bad at that where it's like yeah. zombie we game, to hit and, the and then you have and... like these five episodes in the middle where freaking go nowhere and then it's like
1: yeah and that was that was my issue with Jessica Jones is I'm like you have these like three or four episodes that literally Go nowhere, where that twelfth episode could have come like right after eight or something, and it would have been fine. They finally you needed cracked to have the code. All these yeah. stupid side quest that added nothing.
2: You finally cracked the code with Daredevil in season three, in my opinion. I think they finally because they had a couple. There was at least three episodes near the back half that were all in the course of one night, and they led into the other. So one was a backstory and a character. It ends there in a the thing that goes into a story, which is that. So it kept it all connected in a way that I'm like, all right, this is at least still flowing. But that was. Yeah. But by that point, it was already too late. They already canceled everything.
1: Don't remember the. Uh, it was an audio commentary, and I remember talking to Lloyd Kaufman about it because it was on a. It was some trauma movie, and I don't remember which one for the life of me. But I remember uh, the, we were discussing the audio commentary on it because the director's like, oh, this is just a scene where characters are just gonna blah 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 because we have to get this <laughs> movie up. We have to get this movie to to, to eighty minutes." So I'm like, "Well, then it doesn't need to fucking be there." It really doesn't. It doesn't. Every moment should matter in a movie. Every if, yeah. If matter. if every moment doesn't matter, then it doesn't need to be there. It's either got to. It's either got to push a character forward, give us a character trait, push the story forward, something along those lines. You can't just have people talking have, to fill pages. If you're going
2: to have characters, blah 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 blah, as he puts it, at least make it so that. Okay, this person's a smartass. Okay, this person's uh shy. This that, person's well, that, yeah, that, that establishing thing. character trait, establishing character. That's that's the thing, but you know. But <laughs> as
0: you're doing character, but the the thing is, is as you're developing character, the story still yeah. has to move forward. You oh, can't, Let's have a pause.
2: I think everything should be a, uh, every moment should matter. Every shot should matter. Everything should mean something at the end of the day. And yeah. if it doesn't, sometimes it gets cut out in post. Something sometimes that happens. But I'd like to think while watching a movie, everything that is set up should lead somewhere.
1: But you know. It, it, Infamously, the, the, the closing scene in Casablanca, right after uh uh Rick shoots Major Strasser, the original cut had it going. He shoots Major Strasser, the uh you know, Claude is uh, police uh uh run-up. Major Strasser's been shot round up the usual suspects. And I forgot who it was, but somebody at the studio went, the ending doesn't work. And when they took a look at it, they realized. OK, it really doesn't. And that's when they went back in and they cut in uh, Bogart looking at Reigns, Reigns looking at the cops and they're, they're all looking at each other. And there's the pause in between of Major strasser has been shot. Round up the usual suspects. That's, you know, that, that needed when you put that 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 three way gaze in there. It helps, and it, and it made the movie better. Like, everything needs to mean something. Everything has to have a reason to be there. Well, I, it sickens me it's- that, that, like, pe- mm-hmm. the, the people making movies now don't realize that.
0: Well, I, I think what it is is that they have, there's this tunnel vision that happens, in television shows especially, that if you're going to do a television show, and you have, let's say, four or five characters, and even though they have to join up at whatever whatever pinnacle they have to join up with during the course of your season, all five of those characters have to have their own story going on and their own problem problems going on whether you're looking at the boys i think the boys works because each one of those characters has their own storyline mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even though they have to pull together and fall apart and pull to you know come together in a situation that works Gener- generation v looks like you know for what i've seen so far that looks like it's gone but that's from the people of supernatural anyway and buffy and mm-hmm. x-files kind of work that way as well but then when you look at some of the other stuff like wandavision for instance that was just her story. Yeah, eight episodes are just her, and the thing is, you kind of need what's going on with her and what's going on with every all her neighbors and what's going on with all them. So that yeah. way, when you got your payoff at the end, it it pays off because it's like now you know where everybody is. But when you're kind of just putting everything, I find a lot of TV shows now just focus on one character and then and, and all the sub supporting characters are on that ride with that one character instead so that they're all on their own ride and they you know they're not just passengers in the same car
2: that was my problem with boardwalk empire after a while the main character is nucky thompson but throughout the course of the show i cared more about richard harrow i cared more about chalky white i cared more about uh all the side characters on the show and to the point that once they all got killed off and all I was left with was Nucky. I turned off the show, and I didn't bother watching the final season because the- you took all the life out of it.
0: Yeah, and you, you, everyone has every character that's in something has to have their own story arc. Yeah, and I, I said their own story arc in the end. Of- but maybe that's what it is: is that people can't people can't look at multidimensional characterization of a multi cast you know you know. i mean it's you know i i thought titans did a good job with that actually because they made sure that each of their characters are all on a, a journey and whether they would you know well, also it's a
2: smaller that. group that's a smaller group of characters too when, when you get these big ensemble shows the big with these huge casts you lose track of things i mean I, something like a boardwalk empire and it's such high caliber actors probably everybody's fighting for screen time well we got to give you a little bit we got to give you a little bit but we can't take away from the main story we can't take away from everything else I think and everybody
0: you, i think you can because the thing is you can still i i know like for instance how what, how buffy was constructed let's say yeah. take buffy because i know more about that so basically they had buffy's storyline situation so basically what they did but they made sure that xander and willow and you know, and Elijah Dishku and Spike and Darissa and Angel, and they're all got their own storylines going on. And sometimes Buffy's storyline, even though you know it's written like a soap opera, so basically everything's sketched out from you know episode one to episode twenty three, because it took three episodes within the arc. But so so Buffy's storyline would still go on, but though you may just be into Willow's storyline on that episode. You know, it might be all about Willow willow yeah. and Ned get a little but, but, but you know buffy's still moving forward that's oh, sort yeah. of like moving and that's what i think that's what they need to do with anything if you're going to any kind of tv series or anything like that you kind of have you know yes you know american horror story for instance yeah you have your main characters but you have all these other characters tomorrow. the moment so if something happens you don't have enough to make this character interesting do it Get this, you know, have a couple scenes with the main character and have these other characters' story keep going forward so that way you can sit there. And then when you get your payoff at the end, it means something. You just don't have these people just popping up going, Okay, who cares? <laughs> and there are two <laughs> who, cares, who cares that Johnny next door got killed. I just don't feel yeah. anything. I don't feel <laughs> there, anything.
1: There, and there's two great examples of this uh, and how it fails Twin Peaks. Yeah. The second season of Twin Peaks, you had all that stuff with Nadine getting a concussion and thinking she's a teenager, and it goes nowhere. It does nothing for the the overall plot of the show. And uh, the uh, James Hurley, like, Going off on his little adve- and then he oh. just comes back like nothing happened. I tell like, people it all the time: matter. if
2: you ever watched, if you ever watched Twin Peaks, the second James gets on his bike and rides out of town. Anytime he's on screen, just fast forward until he gets back into. town. It doesn't matter. Yeah, nothing exactly. matters. I, matter. I think. Matters.
1: Are
0: you talking about the original Twin Peaks? The original Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. the first uh, See, season, uh, season. I think season the, pro- the, pro- the problem with the original Twin Peaks is that when the first, what this is quite, if you look at television at that time when yeah. the first season of twin Peaks came out it was really really high so by the time you got to the second season what happened in the middle of the second season is gulf war
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so then what happens was then then by you the time, to- so you had like two 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 and a half months basically where television was just preempted and then yeah. and then you're like you know this is the reason why dark shadows the 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 remake canceled because people lost the thread so what happened was and they brought back when i brought back twin peaks they like people didn't know what the hell was going on so what they had to do they were scrambling to make people come back to it because it was this huge thing and of yeah. course by them scrambling if they just stuck to what they were what they were supposed to do but during that whole time they go people are not going to remember because this is before box sets and <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. today streaming and everything. I mean, the Gulf War happened today. None of us, none of us will be. Our, none of our vision yeah. will preempted. I want to say
2: Twin Peaks <laughs> was one of the first shows. One of the first shows I ever saw on the shelf at Blockbuster was Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Just because people needed to see you the. as Spock said, yeah, the, the whole yeah. wall.
0: And, but, and that uh, was that was relatively new at that time. So if if the, I think the producers and everyone stuck to that and realized that people had a way of catching up. They probably but would have had, but they probably would have done something differently, and they probably would have hit those marks that they need un, to hit.
2: Unfortunately, a certain young executive by the name of Bob Iger, I wonder what he ever did. uh, suggested that they wrap it up and solve who killed Laura Palmer. Even he admits in his and bio, his biography, yeah, I, I fucked up on that one. Yeah, but
0: you know the th- the thing the thing is is this is what's problematic with television shows anyway. And uh, I guess let's take the cla- let's take moon um moonlighting with yeah um bruce willis and civil shepherd and the thing or friends with rachel and ross or any of those kind of things or will they won't they then as soon soon as they they do together as soon as the boss
2: too yeah
0: yeah where the fuck do we go now Mm -hmm. and but the other thing is is that if you keep them apart for too long yeah people lose interest as well so what how, yeah that, that's the i think that's the problem when you have like a show where
1: it's like, you know, is,
0: many people would have been on that journey for laura palmer but at some point if they never reach if they didn't reach that point yeah start turning off as well
2: because you got to find the exact moment when you can do that that's why i love a show like spaced they just do it at the beginning of the second episode just so they get it out of their system and they just move on with the story yeah
3: brilliant the, the brilliant.
1: other the other <laughs> the other example of this is Halloween Ends. Oh, it's not. Yeah, because it's just... you go in a... Com- you, you decide Because, <laughs> yeah, you just take this other character and you oh. go on this entire side quest and then you kill that character off right before the climax. So that entire portion, up until that point, means nothing to the overall story, doesn't need to be there, and it's just a complete waste of time. See, I'm kind As of port- wondering if this yeah. has
0: to do with computer gaming.
1: I no, I absolutely do.
2: A lot of it is the way video game story. A lot of it feels like fetch quests. A lot of it feels like side quests. Mm-hmm. Like eh, we'll, we'll detour from the main story. We need to get this to this, so this will be. Mm-hmm. It
1: and it really does feel. And you don't like- have to worry.
0: And the thing is, is when you're playing a computer game anyway, and, and you know, and I'll be honest, computer game stories, and uh, whether it's Resident Evil or whatever you're playing. The storylines are a lot stronger than what we're getting at the cinema and on television a lot of times. Lot but important. the problem the problem is, is that you're that character. So basically you're following your character who are who is you, that you're, you put yourself in this character. So you're very lateral. And though you might have side quests, you might be doing stuff for other people and you got these little side stories. And you kind of have to do that to progress further in the game. But these characters don't really mean a lot. To you, it's sort of thing. The limit, they're the, the, the the keep you the, the, they're they're to keep you to playing and ke- and to get uh, to get your more bang for your buck. So if you're gonna pay seventy pounds, you know, for your computer game, you know, you're kind of gonna want your sixty plus hours of computer gaming. So these kind of that's why they're there. So, There's, but, but it's fine in computer games, but if you're looking at viewing something, when you have you characters, you kind of need to flesh everyone everything out. Everything needs to be fleshed out.
2: The problem with these video, the way that they dole them out, it's it's either okay. This whole episode is going to be a fetch quest where uh, we have to get this thing from this thing. So we got to help these this group of people. I'm gonna use the Mandalorian as an example because it's fresh in my mind. You have uh, one of the earlier episodes. I have to get my this piece back from my ship, but in order to do that, I got to help the Jawas slay this giant beast in the thing. So we got to do that, and then we get that, and then we get the pieces. And then at the uh, and then so that whole episode will get us out of the desert. Fair enough. Versus a different way of doing it uh, in the later seasons, you have Bo-Katan and uh, Din and They're flying. They're trying to go to uh, meet the Mandalorian cult. That's the first five minutes. They And then they disappear. And then it becomes an episode of Andor for the next 45 minutes. And we, it's weird, and we're going back to Coruscant when it's this whole political drama. We're fighting out what's up, and these are side characters we have not paid attention to at all. We've forgotten about them from the first season, and uh, and new people we have haven't met. And we're putting this nice little part of the story forward, so we're moving the overall story forward. But you hammed it into my episode of Mandalorian in such a way that it really felt like, why did you put the Mandalorian? Why did you just bookend them for two minutes? And the thing, why didn't you just do a whole side episode of that or put that in a different show? It felt like we need to, we forgot to put this in something and we need to shove it in. We forgot to do an episode like this in Boba Fett or something. So, yeah. And Yeah, I have to
0: admit that. I
2: that's mean, the I, type of.
0: I, have to admit, I Yeah, I have to agree. Because when I was watching The Mandalorian the last season, he disappears.
2: Oh, it's not his show anymore. The, he's out. Room. He's sitting on a ranch. It's it's Bo Katan. Is the Mandalorian? She's got the dark saber. She's ruling Mandalore. He's sitting on a ranch with his baby, with baby Grogu. Yeah, watching
0: and, he, him eat and, frogs. He, and he and he, and he's like, okay, I'm coming back
2: on holiday. Now what am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm like okay. that's the thing. He he lost the plot in his own show, and that seems to be a problem with Disney Star Wars. Is the the Ahsoka is not really the main focus of her own show. It's kind of. It's Rebel season four or season five. Uh, you got the Obi or the Obi-Wan show. Well the Obi-Wan show is, is different. The uh the Boba Fett show. The first four episodes are Boba Fett, then it turns into Mandalorian two point five. It's it feels like and by the end of the show you're like, well, I care more about what's going on with Dinjarin than Grogu. Uh, who cares about Boba?
0: It also feels like what they used to do in the seventies. Or the eighties when they're gonna do a spin-off series where you get these yeah. you get these characters and they would try them out in this episode
2: and then if they might they, they would spin off of their own their own series. Right. Well, like, to be fair, I think that the Josh Dehammel, he was supposed to get be part of that spin-off series with Gina Carano, uh yeah. the Rangers of the New Republic before she uh, before she, she
0: opened before she opened Before she off, got
2: really. chick yeah. And as and I, I think one of the quotes going around attributed to Jon Favreau is, well, it's hard to do a fucking show when you fire the fucking star. So, and I think at that point, a lot of the things kind of got halted from there and they had to start integrating the ideas for Rangers of the new Republic into all the other series that they had going on. That's at least, well, that's I, what I did I like.
1: did feel
0: the loss of her gone. I,
2: I it, her character as much as you know whatever I I, I I people say stupid shit i don't really care anymore if celebrities say stupid shit uh my my issue is like she was decent in her role and if you're not going to recast her there's a void in in the show that you've taken out recast her it's okay recast her it's if you if you're not going to use her recast her put the role back in so that way you can actually you well, there's make no the story reason and there,
0: there wasn't even any explanation in her character the
2: she's yeah. a black op i think they there was a throwaway line about her doing like black op stuff she's deep cover so that way you know maybe yeah, she comes but... back she's wearing like a different face uh, i had to get cosmetic surgery you know who knows
0: you know? Uh, i mean it's it's a bit it's a bit too much like yeah. bobby ewing in the shower <laughs> good morning Having have been gaslit I'm
2: mandalorian <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs>
2: but that being said uh i i thought that that was um yeah, if they do end up doing a, a recast, maybe it'll it'll improve. But it does feel like they that loss of that show, they had to start integrating all their ideas that they were gonna do into all their other things. and as a result, it's making everything else suffer. the overall picture suffer. But I at least I felt it a little bit in Mandalore, or in uh, uh, what's the, God they're all fucking they all sound the same. Uh, ahsoka. Uh, in the new one, and uh, I thought it kind of was a big letdown by the end. Uh, I didn't really care, and uh, I know people are going to be waiting around another year just to see where the story goes, and I I don't know. I By the end of it, I just didn't really care anymore. Well, so Keith, What saying. have you been up to?
0: Oh Well, I started watching The Fall of the House of Ushers on Netflix.
1: How is that? I've been meaning I've to check that, that out. out. So,
0: excellent it really dives into the poe world edgar Allan poe
1: that's what i that's what i read Um, in the review is that it doesn't really just focus on the house of usher kind of breaks away its other stuff
0: i'm i'm very i'm interested in it i'm really caught up into it and i mean the second i got to the second episode which is the mask of the red death which they do a very good interpretation of that um tonight when i continue watching the third episode uh murder of the Rue morgue but oh, it, also, okay. it also has the fall of the house of ushers overflowing over you know it's, it's the canopy and i had to sit there and say out of the ones that i've seen of mike flanagan's work this one seems to be so far i'm only in the second episode in but it seems to be the be- more balanced
2: of his stuff we so far, i've heard it's one of the better ones of his career that's and everyone's raving about it i'm um i'm invested so okay.
0: i would have stayed i, I, I probably would have I stayed up way too late and had to get to work this morning (laughs) because I was really, and I had to watch the second one twice because like, oh oh my God, this is excellent. And there's a lot of little Poe touches, you get little pictures of the Raven and they, they start quoting a little bit, you know, Nevermore and My Love Lenore and all this other stuff is being put in there. So who's ever, who's ever done the scripts has done a good job so far, so you know, I probably by next week I'll have probably a bit more information because I probably would have watched it. I've gone back and watched Slasher, which any of our listeners out there, if you like American Horror Story, watch Slasher because that's 150 times better. This Canadian series, the first three episodes, first three seasons are on Netflix, um, and it does ca- carry the same cast over and over. So they, and then of course, um, um series four and five is on Shudder. Series four is the one with David Cronenberg in it. Season four of that. Okay. So, and I would I would actually watch it. I mean, it's a very what I quite like about them is that the first season's okay. They get stronger. Um, but it's a very big whodunit with a lot of gore. I mean, it's got some of the most there are some deaths in there. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I I'm like, whoa, and i I I quite like gore, you know, I'm part of the Dawn of the Dead Reanimator and not that school anyway. So gore doesn't bother me, but there are times in this where I kind of have to like, whoa, kind of like shy way. So so I highly recommend Slasher and um you know I know I, you know I've been watching my trashy television, like Sister Wives and <laughs> that kind of stuff. I don't know. I kind of watch these programs because it helps me feel superior
2: over everybody else. <laughs> It's, a, yeah. it's that's a natural reaction i think i had that i found myself watching the Jer- a jersey uh shore marathon once you know you just go down that rabbit hole and you're like god but people yeah. this actually exists oh
0: my god it's kind of stuff that you kind of put on while you're like like when you're getting up having your cup of tea and you're just laying there in front of the television <laughs> before you have to actually go do anything so yeah and um something else i'm watching um yeah i I oh, I watched Cocaine Bear. Finally, got around to seeing that. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah. I, to be honest, I really like that film. That's I've, fun. I enjoyed that film to so no end. Um, I'll probably watch Talk to Me tonight because that's now appearing over here on television. For I'm going
1: to be watching that soon as well. Uh, I've heard it's fantastic.
0: I will recommend one movie that's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's called Totally Killer.
1: Yes, I've heard about it.
0: Yeah. Band. I haven't seen it, it yet. To.
1: I it's got nothing but praise everywhere I've seen.
0: You know, I it has all the, you know, the nuances of the 80s going on in it. It's got it's, it's it works in so many ways other films tried to do this that they don't work, but this one actually does work and I watched it twice. I watched it once and then um when Ferris and Isaac came home from going out to doing whatever they were doing. I go. We, I had the. I watched it again, and I actually could sit through the it a second time and still very much enjoy it. So, so I highly recommend that. But other than that, just catching up on here and there, I pretty much got all my viewing done for the podcast. The only thing I got left to watch is the whole. So, um, so I'll probably probably do that this weekend. And...
1: I, yeah, not to bury. I like the whole. I I thought it, it's. I think it's a solid Joe Dante movie. So. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: it's part of our Dark Family film. So, you know, we'll discuss that more in depth next week, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit lighter than Kunalunkak or whatever that movie is. <laughs> well, I'll have to practice saying that for next season, but the next <laughs> week. But, um, but yeah. So, you know, I watched Chick or Treat, and This Is Halloween and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, getting ready for my Halloween fix. So, Well, that brings us to Batman the Animated Series. And our first episode for Batman is Paging the Crime Doctor. When Dr. Matthew Thorne, a formerly respectable surgeon who lost his license after sheltering his brother Rupert Thorne from the police and once a friend of Dr. Thomas Wayne and Leslie Tompkins, is reduced to acting as a mob doctor. When Rupert is critically injured, his brother coerces Leslie to assist with the surgery. But the recovering mob boss wants no witnesses, and Matthew is forced to decide... Where his real loyalties lie. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of paging the
1: crime doctor? Um, uh, I actually really like this one. Um, it takes the uh, what what I've complained about in the past of being just a random uh, um, random mob boss, and actually gave us a story that works. Not that Rupert, Rupert thorne has been one of the crime bosses that's actually been reoccurring though, so I have no problem with it. Um, I really really like the, the 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 whole family dynamic with uh you know the the you know them all grow them all growing up together and everything that the the connections to Thomas Wayne uh when he was uh when he was first starting out so um yeah really overall really really like this one um love John Vernon as Rupert Thorne <laughs> I love his voice acting in these. <laughs> Um, was this the one that also had a uh, no no that, that was later on uh that had Michael York that was later that was later yeah yeah I, I they, they start to kind of get jumbled together because we watch them all over the over the course of like a day um but no I really like this one I kind of liked I I wonder if it was if it was a title wise a reference to the crime doctor movie series from Columbia in the 40s I don't know the uh from Columbia Pictures. Um, but no this was uh wait, I'm trying to remember what else happens in this uh oh the oh yeah this is the one that had the uh uh the sister also or, no who was she to who was she to Thomas Wayne she was she was a friend of Thomas Wayne, but she was the oh she was the wife of the ex-wife of the doctor yes am I right here
2: yeah I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah, this one had the the ex wife of the doctor, and it had those like wacky scenes where she's almost dying. And I remember at one point, Batman catches her and just places her on a ledge, and like she's now out out of danger by putting her by putting this frail old woman on a ledge, and then just kind of <laughs> just kind of. Hey be here. I'll be. Away. I'll be back in a minute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You took her from hanging on a rooftop just putting her on a ledge. And you just kinda you just kinda swing away like she's like she's at oh, all well out asleep. of danger when you could have like lowered and put her on the ground. Um, this is another one of those weird scenes where like the doctor and his ex-wife are running away from these hoods and they're like three feet away shooting at oh, wait, them no. and somehow miss every bullet. <laughs> It's not
2: his ex-wife. It's Leslie Tompkins. Yeah, Leslie uh, the, Tompkins. Yeah, the, it's Leslie Tom- Okay, she, she's who, so, not his ex-wife. Les, no, it's not his ex-wife. No, Leslie Thomas and uh and and uh excuse me uh Matthew Thomas. are were known as the three musketeers in medical yeah, school. And Bruce's father. father it wasn't
1: yeah. his ex-wife, they were they
2: were yeah, right? they, them and Thomas and them and Thomas Wayne were all were all like the the prodigal doctors. Like they, they were the the, the 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 top of the top.
0: Yeah, they hung around together and got up to mischief. and so, I mean, I quite, I mean, I really like this because I like the way that they are fleshing out and we're learning more about, you know, as Bruce is finding out about his father, he's finding out a bit more. And we're finding out, and it's expanding on this world. And that's what I quite liked. Actually, um, yeah, go ahead. You know, and, and I like that basically, you know, there's a connection with Wayne and Thorne as well. And you know, I mean, I like Leslie Tompkins anyway. Anytime she comes back, it's always quite endearing and it's quite yeah. interesting. And it adds, it adds that you know, it's a recurring character that keeps appearing and it's, it's kind of like the moral compass of Bruce Wayne. So we have that, but but then also saying that there's actually a connection with the Thorn, the whole you know, who's basically who he's fighting all the time, and that there is a connection with the Waynes and the Thorns, and that basically is, you know, as Wayne as basic as Wayne enter, you know, for my interpretation as Wayne is building his fortunes, Thorne is building his mob, mob land at the same yeah. time. So here we are, these two pinnacles, you know, we got the mob and, you know, Wayne or Batman now, because you know he's taken, he pretty much taken the, his father's money and taken the torch to crime fighting. So you kind of got these people who've grown up in different ways, but at the same time they started out in together
2: Start out together. And in the case of Matthew, I mean, he's basically being held – held it not as a prisoner, but being held at the whim of his brother. Uh, mm-hmm. He lost his medical license uh, for lying about a bullet. Be- I, I think it, it, Rupert said he was shot, but, uh, but I, I think Rupert said he was shot and he lied about the bull- his bullet. And as a result, he lost his medical license. So he's been yeah. performing uh, Ill- illegal surgeries and stuff. And Rupert gets him all the finest medical equipment to do everything. And one thing leads to another. They're ha- having an argument and Rupert drops of a heart attack. He needs to. There's. I think they said it was like a tumor on his heart that they needed to get. And Leslie was the only doctor that uh, Matthew trusted to do the surgery. So, uh, because if because he didn't want to go to a hospital for fear of uh, retaliation from his enemies, he didn't want to be put under because too many people would take him out. There is. It's a solid, solid story, and I do, and I do think it's sad. There is kind of a tragic nature to matthew he's just trying to help his brother and his brother yeah, they, that's why i like over. it
0: explores family because yeah. of, you know and you know and you got you know bruce and about his family and i mean leslie's part leslie's like his surrogate mother
2: really yeah at this point yeah you know leslie and, and alfred are his surrogate parents
0: and you know, and then you got the brother who's taken the fall and lost his medical license. Who then, for his brother, who ends up basically being a, you know, a, a, a servant in, in gratitude and solitude to his brother, which creates its own kind of dichotomy in its own way. And um, and I also think that you know, but then you have you know the the you know if you look at. You know Bruce's dad dying situation, the way that he died, and Bruce, you know, and what he, you know, basically Bruce's whole or Batman's whole thing is basically paying homage to the death of his parents. Yeah, which is also dealing with family. So he's kind of he's trapped because of what happened to his family, and then you got this doctor who's trapped because of what his brother. So I I quite liked all that, and the only person who's not trapped is Leslie, but she kind of sees both sides of the fence as well. And then that, there, and, then, and so it created a nice little evenness about balance, and they balance the story very very well at the same time, still bringing out and fleshing out the past and bringing it in without doing what the movies tend to do. Is like oh here we go again. Hey, we there to see.
2: was there was definitely some Michael Caine sadness and despair uh, uh, this in this go around when you know Bruce came in. I think uh, was this the one where Bruce got shot in the head? I think, yeah, I think that's the reason he well, yeah. grazed his ear and uh, yeah, it somehow... grazed the ear of his mask, and that gave him a concussion. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but yeah it, it dealt with he had post concussion syndrome, he, he was dealing with the effects of a concussion. And for once, you're in a situation where Batman isn't doing so well, he, he's getting the crap kicked out of him by some henchmen, and there's an actual justification for it. He's uh, that weird fisherman looking dude. Wait, is it mean. this one? I think the fisherman was this one, yeah, because the next one is the magician.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, it is this one. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, no, I thought this. I, I,
0: quite, yeah, I quite liked this actually. I, was, I was, I was, I, to be honest, I was expecting to maybe be a bit bored with this, but when I when I started watching it, I was like, I got really into it, so I was quite like, hey,
1: stay here because yeah, like yeah. I said, like there's so many mob boss of the week episodes. That you know, this one actually works for once.
2: A new twist on a, on a familiar face, and uh, and it has a it's nice, a sweet ending with. Uh, hey, I'll help you with any legal trouble that yeah. you need. just
1: just tell me tell me about my dad. I just want to know about my father. That's oh, tell me, tell my a, dad, that's, that's a
0: sweet way to end the episode. And anytime you can see Marlon Brando in cartoon form is always good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: When you know they couldn't afford, Brando would would have asked for so much and been so difficult.
0: Our next episode is Zatanna. Zatanna was the daughter of Zatora, an excellent magician who taught Bruce Wayne under the name of John Smith everything he knows about escape artistry and magic. Zatara was a world renowned magician and was considered quite possibly the best in his field. He also passed on his teachings to his only child, a daughter named Zatanna. Zatanna gained her talent from her father and became an excellent magician herself. She also has a romantic relationship with Bruce, despite never knowing his real name. Zatanna always has close ties with Bruce Wayne, although Bruce was cautious of the relationship by never giving her his real name. Years later, in a show in Gotham City, she made the contents of a Gotham mint disappear to show up with magic debunker Montague Kane. Unfortunately for her, Kane is not only seen through her trick, but it was a thief, and stole the money while framing her for the crime. She was freed from custody and assisted Batman in bringing Kane to justice. After their collaboration with Batman, she eventually recognized him as her old friend from long ago. She then told Batman that Zatara, who had passed away by the stage, would have been proud of him, putting his arts to use in fighting crime. So, Sean, what are your thoughts of Zantana?
2: This one. It was a good introduction for Zatana. Uh, I thought... Um... In hindsight, it kind of remind me a little bit of uh, "Now You See Me" the "Now You See Me" franchise, the making the uh, the illusionary and making the building tra- disappear while stealing the money. Um, I I think that this was a I, I always love the episodes where we go a little bit into the just pre Batman phase of of Bruce's life where we kind of learn where he learned the tricks of the trade. Being a magician's apprentice to learn how he does all of his escape acts and and getting all the all the tricks of the trade for that, that's kind of a cool little back uh, little trait for him, yeah, ma- ma- magician's apprentice. That, uh, that's uh, aside from uh, master ninja, master detective, uh, magician apprentice, and uh, it's it's a fun little romance that I completely forgot about uh, with him and Zatanna you get to see the flirtatious side of Batman in the mask more so than with Selena Kyle, because with that, there's always kind of a, well, I'm going to have to put you away one of these days. And and, and I guess I don't approve. Whereas this, you could tell there is some endearment between those two. Uh, there is something special and he's still smitten with her after all these years. Um, I mean, what's not to like? What's not to like? She's a magician's assistant. She says she's wearing a tuxedo and a, the t- tuxedo top and nothing else. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it's one of those episodes where I um, I find myself sm- smiling a lot, and it's mainly just because of you get to see Batman, not so much Bruce, but Batman in a yeah. different light. And uh, and the, also Alfred got a great zinger. Oh yeah, Moody, Despair, and yeah, yeah. Gee, I wonder <laughs> why why she would like you. Nothing's changed about you
1: at all. <laughs>
0: I quite like that. I like I like it when Alfred gets his little zingers
2: in. Oh, he get, he digs <laughs> so <good> sarcasm <laughs> when he needs to. He can be cruel, and just hit you right in the ribs. So.
1: The, the interesting thing is, we go from uh, Marlon Brando as uh, as a cartoon character to, in this case, it's Orson Wells. Of, yeah, <laughs> I kind of felt like this was Orson Wells in uh, F F is for Fake with oh. the. Uh, what, That's what, what you're saying,
2: character? yeah. The debunker. Oh yeah. oh god, what was his name? It was something King. Yeah.
1: I was just looking it up as you guys were, were saying that. <laughs> all right. It it really like I got I got these F is for fake vibes uh with um uh, with him like uh, Orson Well. He looked very much like Orson Welles, the big overcoat and all that stuff. And I really, really like that. It kind of feels like one of those things where if Orson was still alive, they probably would have asked him to voice it and he would have probably been like, oh, I got to do this crap so I can make my next movie. (laughs) He hated everything he had to do. Anything he ever had to do for money, he hated. Got to finish the other side of the wind somehow. Oh, boy. (laughs) Which which actually, interesting enough, I I was talking to somebody the other day. You guys know about the... uh, uh, Gary Graver, who... uh, went on to direct some really terrible movies later on in life. Sorry. But he, he was, he was, he was an Orson Welles minion who went on to do like babe watch six or something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. you know, made a lot of stuff that wasn't very good, but apparently uh, Orson needed him for the other side of the wind one weekend. But Gary Graver uh, was editing a porno for money. And, um, he was like, I really can't get away because the deadline's coming up. So Orson Welles shows up in his apartment and just finishes finishes editing the porno so that he can take Gary Graver to shoot the other side to shoot more scenes for the other side of the wind because Orson got some money somehow at that point. He's like, yeah, we can do another weekend's worth of shooting. Let's go. I, I can't. I got to edit this porno. I'll edit the damn porno for you. Just <laughs> But I, I love that story. I was Just talking to somebody about it the other day. I wonder if it had a lot um, of quick
0: edits in it because that's what he's Orson Wells is known for. I've never seen it. I've heard it. It's,
1: it's oh, called 3 a.m. <laughs> seduction Hour or something like that. I gotta find it. Like, oh, I know a lot of that, yeah. Uh, I gotta uh, find it. It's like it'd be like, can you imagine being the producer of that porno? You hire you hire some random USC kid to, to, to edit your porno, but then 50 years after the fact it comes out. Oh no, Orson actually edited it because he just needed Gary Graver to be done quickly. <laughs> Uh but yeah I love that uh I love that the design of this character was um uh was basically Orson Welles love that about it uh young Orson Welles dressed up as old Orson Welles which is kind of yes. weird but that's that's uh uh so I love that about it I I like the it, it did you know Kind of subvert your expectations because when he's doing the card trick she thinks he's getting the two of hearts and he actually pulls out the Joker. Because, that you know, that's going to be your future. And I'm like, oh, okay, so the Joker's the one who actually stole all the money. And then you find out, no. No, it was the the, the debunker. Um, he, the only weird thing about this, and it's been a sticking point with me since I watched the episode the other day, is these debunkers don't really go after magicians anymore because the magicians admit that it's all an illusion. They go after, like, the, uh, the Uri Geller... Spoon spoonbenders and people like that that's yeah. uh, you people who claim you know, to be
2: psychics you go after the street magicians you go after i mean it's the same it's not just mag- uh, magic and psychics it's also the world of mma as well you have the uh the kung fu gurus that you know the one i'll touch you and you'll collapse and stuff like that you have an mma fighter get into the ring with him and beat the shit out of him there's videos of that all the time there's the, the debunker culture has kind of evolved uh, to uh and moved on from magicians. And well, I mean, to be and, honest,
0: most and, of your magicians, yeah. anyway, outside of performing in X Factor, um, tend to just lock themselves in a box on top of you know, in, in Times Square. That's pretty much what the
2: magician, well, <laughs> Penn and Teller, uh. <laughs> as much as I love Penn and Teller, they have done more to D. De- M- mystify the magic industry than anyone whether it be yeah. penn and teller's bullshit their live stage show in vegas or you know d- the 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 show where they have the variety show on wgn where it's just hey you're going to do magic tricks for me and if you stump us then we'll give you money
1: if you don't we'll tell we're going to expose how you did your trick on air yeah. and it's well, gonna the, like, oh. the um
3: well
1: the, the well more than penn and teller the amazing randy he was, the, he's the king of debunking all the charlatans. Yeah. Uh, with every, you know, no matter what, he, he he's always been the one that, uh he's the scourge of these, uh, all these, all these uh, various charlatans. But yeah, that that was the only point that like kind of brought it down a little bit for me is I'm like, magicians kind of admit that it's all bullshit. So why would you they know, be this debunked? It's
2: is the early and 90s.
1: I mean, I think what kind of works
0: for this that maybe is only because she's using the the Gotham City Mint, and so there, I guess it would look like it could be a ruse to steal money situation, which apparently you know ends up becoming so maybe. Yeah. So I, I think I think that's kind of what saves this story, only because if she, I was to say that she's gonna disappear something else. It probably yeah. have falling probably slightly flat a little bit, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I have to sit there and say that there are quite a lot of things that I noticed. I liked, you know, where he goes, You know, she goes, I want you know, write me sometime, and you know, you never did, and you know, and they kind of do that thing with your friends' situations, like, Well, you know, I got busy in life, she said, I got busy in life, don't worry about it. Situation, and but she also sits there and says she gives him valid validation from a father figure, which I quite like that. Dad would have been proud of you. And and, and I think, and I get from, and what I get, what I got from the episode from the very beginning is that he kind of looked up to her father as a father figure. So with him getting validation from, from her about what her father Father be proud. It also gave him validation that a father figure is proud of him. And I know that he's got Alfred there, but I mean, I think what we need to remember about Alfred is Alfred's employed by him and Alfred's paid by him. So to have someone to just have validation, I think, and I kind of think that gives that makes this episode a little bit special and it gives it kind of that little heart, that little twist that it needs to sit there and give him and help, but also helps bring. That's what's quite interesting about this. This, these episodes actually is that we're bringing out the methods of Bruce Wayne and Batman and bringing out their storylines a little bit. And I quite like the way that they're able to still expand. You still get a really good episode, but at the same time, they're still expanding this and getting so you can get to know more and backstorying. And, and I think that works really well in this episode. And, and this is <laughs> another one I thought was going to be a bit
1: naff. And I like how they, they, he reveals who he is, but she doesn't know he's Bruce Wayne because when she was training, when he was training under her father, he went by John Smith, and even mm-hmm. she knew it was an alias. She's like, "Okay, John Smith, mm-hmm. uh, you're 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 leaving now to go to Japan," Um
0: but he slips so, and calls her the only name, the the
1: uh, Z- Zani or Z- uh whatever it was, Zana, Zana, yeah. Zana. and that's what
0: I, that's why I like it. That's when she. She had an idea that she got kind of know you. I don't know why, but I kind of know you. But then when she says that, it all comes in, and I quite like that that he had a nickname for her. That obviously they're <laughs> like, a lot—well, it actually showed that you know someone's got a nickname for <clears throat> other. That means that they're a lot closer than what you anticipated, and it kind of break the cements the story even more to have that. I know. Yeah,
1: you know, he's also smarter than all of Gotham City. <laughs> <laughs> because she knows who he is, it's like, hey, I got a feeling I know you. Nobody else ever gets that with Batman. Even the people who know Bruce Wayne are never like, hey, you know, you seem kind of familiar. You seem like somebody I know. You know, mm-hmm. you sound exactly like Bruce Wayne. But you know what I think? I think the reason why I think Bat—I mean, you
0: know, <laughs> you know—I I am a huge fan of Batman, and but I think the reason why that works for Batman is because Bruce Wayne doesn't get close to anyone. No. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have a close relationship to anyone. And when you see Bruce Wayne appearing in public, he doesn't have any. He doesn't have any close friends whatsoever. He doesn't have anyone that knows him. He has a, lots of business acquaintances, but the ones who do know him know him. He's also a Batman. Like Lucius Fox knows he's Batman. You know.
2: Um, One exception would be Harvey, probably,
0: and uh, it, but, but then again, that, that that's kind of a that's not really a close relationship.
2: It, that's
0: It was an odd relationship before he turned into Two Face because mm. there was because it, the scenes that you do. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure what the relationship was before because so because we kind of see them together. You know, with a poison ivy and he's kind of saving Harvey's life because of what happened to poison ivy, and then we got him. Turning into Two Face the next time we see him. Yeah. So we never get, we never totally understand what their relationship it's, is. It, 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 it's are.
2: inferred that they were friends. It wasn't so much yeah. like a competitive, uh, you know, pissing match. That they were doing are, doing. are they friends? Yeah. In-
0: hung out on the weekends and did stuff or are they just people who kind of saw each other and gave each other a nod and it's like oh yeah I'll give drink. you
2: don't you're trying to clean up the city so I'll donate to your campaign a smile handshake type of relationship yeah. Maybe, yeah so you're
0: never quite sure so there's never that closeness but with Zatanna and with Leslie Tompkins um, uh, from the previous episodes we realize that there are close there is a close relationship there or he had a close relationship and yeah. there was tenderness and there was a connection a, a human connection that went beyond what he normally has yeah so i think that why the a lot of reasons people don't realize that bruce wayne is bruce wayne is cuz i don't think bruce wayne he's just he's kind of what you see on you can follow someone to me, Bruce Wayne always represents someone that you would follow on Twitter. And you think that you know him because you see him all the time, but you don't know, you don't really know who that person is. Really. You just yeah. know images and who he is, but no one's ever had, you know, have a deep conversation with him. And if you do see him out in public, he shakes hands, and says, nice to meet you. And, you. and you talk about the weather and he moves forward. And that's, I guess. And that's probably the reason why, unlike, let's say Clark Kent, which my problem with Clark Kent is that he does have human connections with everyone he's around. You yeah. know he does hang around with Lois Lane. He's hanging around with um, Jimmy,
1: Jimmy Olsen. You know, yeah,
0: the yeah. and you know, and so you got Clark Kent, you know, hanging around these people and actually working closely with these people. So, and it ha- actually doesn't help that basically he just takes off a pair of glasses and no one can recognize him.
1: <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. uh, although you know. Uh... You know, hanging out with uh, with Shanta and her kids. Uh, her her littlest one doesn't recognize Sean unless he's wearing a hat. So maybe there is <laughs> there is something to First that. Last time I saw her, I'm like, hey, I hey, like hey, hey. And then I put on my hat. Oh, hey, Sean. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Sean
2: has a hat. Sean has the hat. That's what you know. No,
1: no, Sean is a hat.
2: Oh, I am a hat.
1: I <laughs> just am. I <laughs> you are a hat. You hat. That's how she recognizes you. <laughs>
0: Sean's from comes in the land of Lidsville, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, so I, I, so I guess you know, when I look at Batman, and that's probably the reason why I never question that, you know, the same thing that I always had that problem with Wonder Woman as well, because you had Steve can't remember Steve's last name, but, you know, she's working as Diana Prince and she's hanging around Steve and all this other stuff. And of course, then she turns into Wonder Woman and kind of thinking, well, Steve has such a close personal relationship with Diana that you would think that he would recognize when she became Wonder Woman, you know, that kind of thing, where I think for me, the reason why Batman always worked with me because he doesn't have close relationships with anyone. Even the women he dates, even with the women he dates, they're at an arm's length. He he always keeps everyone at a very much arm's length.
1: Well, his his associations with women seem to be more along the lines of "I need arm candy for this event." Hey, she's hot, let's get her. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he does end up having children later on, um, which, but I think that there are like one night stands that kind of they got pregnant and had children. Because that's and isn't it Tim Drake his child?
2: Is it? Uh, is he his child? No, Damian. Damian's. Da- oh, Damian Wayne. Okay. Damien Damian is the child. Uh, Tim Drake was uh,
0: beyond, Batman it, Beyond. Isn't there some kind of connection? There might be some kind of.
2: connection I want to say it wasn't Tim turned into the Joker. In Batman, no wait no, that's that's sequel. Oh, god, it's I have to go, it's been forever since I've seen Batman or uh, Return of the Joker.
0: Yeah, I have to look at that again. Um, yeah, but um, but I know, I mean, I know he has i um, having sexual relations, but well, yeah. he, just, he does have a sexual relation with um, Bat Bat girl, yeah. one of the Batgirls girls for a r- little while. Um, Wayne's his, uh, yeah, him audio. and Talia. And then Huntress as well.
2: Okay.
0: Oh no, Tim Drake's the third adopted he's adopted son. Yeah, he's
2: adopted, yeah.
0: He's adopted. And then and Terry McGillis, M- Terry McGinnis, that's it from Batman Beyond's his child. Yeah. That's how he becomes Batman Beyond. So that was it. So but yeah. But I don't I don't think he was a very pre- pleasant a a present father though. No, God. <laughs>
1: no, he does not seem to be. <laughs> I really love them and leave them. I don't the know. I can out the part. In the
2: case of Damien, Damien was raised, raised by the League of Shadows, so it's one of those things. Where you're like, yeah, the, the kid's gonna have a little bit of a rough upbringing, learning how to yeah, kill and Talia, people to Though
0: yeah. so you know, the sex between him and Talia Call was probably something out of this
2: world. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm- No, this brings us to the mechanic. Thanks to a freak accident during a high-speed chase, the Batmobile was virtually demolished. After Batman takes the car to his personal mechanic, Earl Cooper, the Penguin makes his move and tampers with the Batmobile, putting it under his control. So, Joe, what are your thoughts on the mechanic? This was the goofiest
1: one of the the four to me, because you have this... um... Yeah, the, the, the bat you know you, you start out with the you know the, the whole thing with the Batmobile and it gets uh it gets damaged and th- um this character uh what was his name again Earl Cooper the, the mechanic Earl Cooper is that who did they combine him with Lucius Fox for the Nolan movies?
2: No, Lucius. No. I mean,
1: Lucius exists in this in this Lu- universe. Lucius, he does exist yeah, in this universe, in this- yeah. But it seems like they combined him with Lucius for the Nolan movie. I
2: think it's because
0: of the Batmobile. Because what we have Lucius Fox in the Batman Chris Nolan films, um, is basically giving, gives him the Batmobile because it's a surplus. It's a surplus car for the military and in, um, inter- um, Wayne Enterprises. So it's basically yeah. this is a prototype here what we got is that through uh different courses of events um earl cooper kind of s- saves batman or aids bait batman and batman aids him and so batman hires him to build him a car and while he's building the car he sets him up in with a business
1: yeah and he he helps him he helps him yeah. get on his feet after he gets uh after he basically loses uh Loses everything from be- by being honest.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so this, this car company is gonna this car that I built. It's, it's got a lot of flaws. Going to kill people. Yeah, but we won't be on the hook for it.
0: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that, that that's sound accurate. Now, after thinking about Fight Club, I'm like, eh, no, no, it is. <laughs> but
0: what I, I mean, what I thought worked with this is that first of all, we got the back history of Bat, the Batmobile and how the Batmobile works and how they put it together. Yeah. I thought that was quite clever in this kind of thing. Plus, we also got an idea that Batman is a very, very decent guy.
3: Yeah.
0: He you is. Know? Bruce,
3: and, and This shows Bruce,
0: that he is a decent Bruce. person that basically, if you do the right thing and though it may ruin your life, he will do whatever he can to help you get move forward and start your new life. You know, without without giving you a hand without making it seem like he's giving you a handout
3: yeah
0: which it, is quite it, important to make you know that you know he uh, I guess he could have threw money at him but it's like okay you build me the batmobile but then he set him up with a business that's all his because of this and i thought that's quite a nice thing because you know if you're going to help someone it's quite important that you can help someone but at the same time you have to be very careful on how you help someone Because he he wasn't that that careful. They feel like they're also helping themselves and are moving forward without relying on you. And I thought that was quite a nice little message tied in with this. Okay, yeah, I know we can't always, you know, we don't have the money to sit there and set someone up for a business, but the idea is there.
2: Well, we do have a there is a major issue with this because he set up a business for him, an underground hidden garage specifically for the Batmobile and to steal the a little a line from a very famous christmas song uh, the batmobile broke uh, lost its wheel mm-hmm. and unfortunately the penguin got away
3: <laughs> and
2: so he took his car to the underground garage and they never had a contingency plan for ordering spare parts uh I, I i recall the scene in batman begins where they go out of their way well we ordered uh, the cowl we ordered the ears we ordered this from all these different dummy co- we use all these different dummy corporations so we don't have to worry about it and well at least we'll have spare parts mm. uh this is one of those things where you have all these things all these different co- you're gonna have one guy order one part or all these parts at once uh, mm. it's at one place and it's and as a result, uh, it became very easy to track. And uh, but we
0: also get the tie on at the end, where it's like we're going to make all these
2: dummy companies, and so yes. for- I mean, they learn their lesson. This yeah. at the end
1: of the episode, I, I, I like that. I like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that this one, this, this one, like I said at the end, at the end of the episode, I turned to Sean. I was like, that one was just goofy. <laughs> yeah. just-
2: well, the weirdness with Batman and Robin and the chase, there was more playful. I I think like the guy pulling out the gun, certain shooting machine gun. bro is he kidding? Who is who's this, this guy? Is he, is he new in town? What's he doing here? Uh, there there was a play. the The car the the crook's car goes off the bridge. It lands very nicely on the tugboat. Meanwhile, the Batmobile. So it's I'm like it's it felt like yeah. It, it was more of a farce uh, more of a comic yeah. uh, we wanted to do we wanted to we have to introduce batman's mechanic and we <laughs> understand the uh, this whole concept of batman having a mechanic might be a little absurd so let's go with the absurdity of it all and because i think the the idea of just the ba- <laughs> mecha- batman showing up <laughs> in a garage to get a tune-up it does seem a little odd on paper so but what i quite liked about it is that you have all this
0: wackiness going on around it, but at the heart of it, you have an a, a yeah, interest, human human interest yeah. story in the middle of it, which I had to say that when they've gone off on these tan- these weird, wacky tangents, they tend to miss the human interest story. Yeah. And I thought that's what, what made this work, because it was, I mean, the daughter is a kind of an odd entity in this situation, but I mean, because she didn't have much, I mean, okay, she gets kidnapped and stuff like this, but she's kind of just... But I quite like the idea that you know they are giving us information, you know, and amidst all this, we are getting an idea about how the Batmobile became the Batmobile situation yeah. and how it was put together. And I quite like that side of it. But yeah, I mean, you know. But then again, you know, you got the wackiness of you know making it a remote control Batmobile, and that the base can be turned off by the air conditioner. And then, of course, you got Batman, Batman You got Batman and Robin on this. In this weird hand glider that can seem to go for miles and miles.
2: <laughs> well, that was the thing. I I remember watching without it, ever going like, down. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like they just redid. They they just ripped off Batman Returns because that's that was the same. The jo- the Penguin just hijacks the Batmobile and uh,
1: yeah,
2: sets it up with a remote control so that he could take it on a little joyride.
1: Oh, uh, right. Speaking of which, he has a little penguin. He has uh, the the the. <laughs> uh, the, the, the little rubber ducky thing, uh, oh,
2: yeah, the 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 penguin. D- well, okay, we've established the the, the, we, we've established the ducky in, in in previous episodes that he does have the the mechanized duck, but that is so cool. But that the, the little callbacks to, yeah. uh, I guess this would be around the same time it came out in theaters. So, uh, yeah, if mistaken. So the little callbacks to what's going on with that—it's uh, no, intentional Batman. or not? Batman Returns. And I have to say, 2, this penguin
0: looks a lot like Danny DeVito's penguin
2: it does it looks more and more like devito's penguin more so, i mean the newer uh you uh keith you mentioned you were playing gotham knights and uh uh the penguin that they're going with in that it seems mm-hmm. like it's been adopted more of the colin farrell uh, uh penguin voice the al capone yeah. scarface st- style thing with the more gruff new yorker it's, it's kind of a, like, a little bit like, like that in
0: Knight as well though in Arcom well Arcom. he
2: was more it was more cockney he had the co- it was uh nolan north doing the cockney oh accent yeah
0: that's right in, he was
2: in that so it it's now it seems like uh the new generation we're gonna move since everybody calendar hey what are you doing on mean, hey stop it! that's what everybody knows the penguin has now yeah. uh, but might as well switch up to the uh to the al capone voice I like the ending when he's making the license place though. I thought that was quite funny. That was a nice touch. He's back polishing the plates, and it never ends. And then he sees the uh, I bat for you, or <laughs> bat for one bat for you. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, which sometimes I thought maybe I bat for you, maybe because you just mentioned bat, the Tim Burton Batman. That might have been a nod to um, Prince. <laughs> I would die for you. That <laughs> could be. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Okay, our last episode is Harley and Ivy. After a failed heist, a frustrated Joker boots Harley Quinn from his gang, and to prove her worth to the Crown Prince of Crime, Harley goes solo on her own crimes. The path eventually leads her to form a partnership with fellow crime criminal, Poison Ivy. The success of Harley and Ivy as the new Queens of Crime doesn't go unnoticed by the Joker or Batman. Both of whom set to stop the amazing duel for their own personal reasons. Little did they know, no man can stop Harley and Ivy. So, Sean,
2: what's your thoughts of Harvey and Ivy? And then they fell in love. Uh, no, the uh, this, <laughs> this is my uh, I think this might be my favorite of the four, just because the historical significance of this episode. Uh, I went back, I watched the uh, it again right before going on air with the commentary track and all the creators were pretty much like they had never thought about teaming these two together. Uh, they went, Hey, what do you think about uh, the uh, girl, uh, girls on the run style episode with Ivy and Harley? Yeah, sure. Do it. And they wrote the, the piece. And then around the same time, a little film called Thelma and Louise get yeah. big. And uh, they did. Writers had not seen it. Uh, the writer of the episode had not seen it before. And then afterwards, uh, after it was in post, they realized oh, sh- there's a lot of similarities here with them being on the run. I I, well, I'm, I didn't even think of Thelma and Louise. I was thinking like the old Russ Meyer, Myers Girls with Guns style.
0: Faster, yeah, faster, pussy, get, kill, kill. Yeah, yeah,
2: that, <laughs> that, that's where my brain went. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun to see the what a lot of they took and would eventually use in Birds of Prey down the line. And just the Joker is the worst boyfriend in the world. Yeah, the, uh, they're on the run. Joke, Harley's a getaway driver, and she accidentally hands him the wrong gun. Accidentally hands him uh, the extended uh, bang gun instead of the uh, an, an actual gun. And as a result, even though they get away,
1: they manage to escape the bat, which rarely happens. Even though they get away, because she was smart enough to use the uh, the fake bumper oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Be- the she's thick, the 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 car,
2: yeah, she's the reason he got away. She's the intelligent one of the group. He But because he was embarrassed, he he throws her out. And she says, you know what? Screw it. I'm gone this time. And I'm gone for real. And she starts. Uh, she wants to steal the famed Harley Quinn diamond for a $3 million diamond. And at the same time, so does Poison Ivy. And through a collection of failures, they end up together. And they go on this awesome Thelma and Louise style heist, uh string of heist that only makes the Joker jealous and long for her more. But at the same time, which in modern cinema would be good for her. She's moved on. Lou- yeah. But because this is set in the early 90s. Well, I miss Mr. J. And I want—I miss my put I miss my pudding And that's a oh, son of a bitch. Move on, girl. Oh, You're so much better, better mean- than him. You know, what I hate to
0: say that this, but without uh, saying what the hell, there are a lot of women like that.
2: Oh, I'm not saying there aren't. I, I I'm i not saying there aren't. I and, know many of them. It's, and, I'm not saying it. That, that and what I, I think what a, makes
0: this work is that depiction. you have the ultra-feminist of Poison uh, poison ivy's a feminist all the way through. And then you have this codependent person yeah who says she's a feminist, but in a way that she's a feminist who's very codependent on this man situation. Yeah. And I love the way that they played that against each other. But I at the same time, play there's play a, a the lot play. of flirting going on between these two at the same time, so you're kind of wondering like...
2: There's a lot of undertones. they the, uh, the uh,
1: never wearing pants when they're at home.
2: The, the commentary track, I couldn't help but notice when they first show up. Oh, I love them in the man shirts. I'm like eh, eh, eh. That, that. That's one of the things. I, I forget who said it was Bruce Tambor Paul Dini. But they're like, ah, oh, I lo- love the visual of them in the man shirts, and it's just like, oh, okay. It oh, oh. kind of foreshadows what would happen twenty to thirty years later. That's the thing. Uh, it's it, there's a lot of subtlety under the surface that, if you are a young lady who's question, who's you know, questioning your sexuality, you might read a lot more subtext into it than they probably get. On a mm-hmm. Saturday morning, and it's it's a fascinating watch. I I I, I really love their re- relationship. Um, uh, I want it's uh, a- Adrian uh, Barbeau plays uh, or Adrian uh, Bar- or who plays uh, Ivy? Ivy. No, um, Adrian, Adrian Barbeau plays Catwoman. Okay, but I, God, it sounded like your voice. Uh, b- but mm-hmm. uh, Ivy, whoever's playing her. You could tell that there's a lot more subtlety, uh, or a lot more sexual tones in her voice, the way she talks to Ivy. But you're better than that, trying to get her out of there. The closeness of the way they're drawn. I don't know if it's intention. It could. I don't think it was for a Saturday morning, but you could read it as such in hindsight. And maybe it's just because we have the HBO, the brilliant HBO Max series that is, as if. If people have not seen Harley Quinn, The Adventures of Harley Quinn on Max or uh, y- y- please check out the show. It is one of the funniest damn shit series I've seen in a very long time that that has been put out by DC. Uh, highly recommend it. But the way that they play their their relationship and the way that they it she needs to break free. She needs to be her own woman. She needs to establish uh, herself as the queen of gra- Gotham crime. She gets that in this episode, and even that by the end, you know, she has to go back to Mr. J. She wants to go back to Mr. J. And, I don't know, I just, I, the whole time, I'm just, I want you to break free, girl. You, you deserve so much better. She's, um, the voice
0: of Poison Ivy's Diane Pershing.
2: Oh, it's Diane, okay.
0: And, you know, she's mainly known for the new adventures of Mickey, Mighty Mouse, and Heckle and Jekyll, the new adventures of Flash Gordon. Um, outside of I mean her main role is I Poison Ivy really. I mean she's done like yeah. Legend of Prince Valiant and Darkwig Duck and all of that, but this is her main starring role. This is her
2: main okay.
0: So yeah, looking through her thing. I mean though she does a lot of voice acting for computer games, like Fallout New okay. Vegas and things like that. So but yeah, she's a find.
2: <laughs> but they, they, they mark they make their mark on the scene by robbing the men's only uh club meeting and the and the embarrass them and and then from there it's just yeah them going on a spree of crime the visual of the joker and a wife beater and boxer shorts can't find uh, not able to find his pants and socks is something that i didn't know i needed but now that i have it i uh i can't remove it from my mind it's one of those things that you never see the Joker like that, oh, oh that vulnerable. Holly, where are my socks? You know, the only you <laughs> can
0: the only thing that I could say negative about this is that later on we're going to get a Poison Ivy origin story about how that happened, how, how she became that, and I kind of wish we had that before this episode.
2: Okay because yeah, that, that.
0: That, that explains the why there's this codependency on Joker and what he's done to her head which would kind of more explain so that way when we see this it would give her more of an understanding because at the moment it's like because she's fantastic with Poison Ivy you don't understand why she keeps calling him but you know but she does but saying that I have a lot of female friends who kind of down does this
2: the writers <laughs> equated this to a married couple having a fight, and one walks out temporarily. That's the way that they put it out uh, as like, uh, the wife blows has to blow off some steam and goes away for a weekend or something. yeah, like and yeah. even though they
0: get their own life, they tend to keep chasing after that man who's kind of abusive. You know, oh, I, mean, yeah. that, I mean, then you know, and working with abused women, this is I mean, it's sad to say, but it there is this kind of. Yeah, cycle yeah that is impossible. yeah until they uh, finally do break away or get killed <laughs> one or the other yeah. but um so I thought that was quite interesting but but I quite but even you know I do feel like poison Ivy is kind of falling for her and I think and it, it's
2: absolutely. Awesome.
0: And when Joker and when you know, when Joker comes back on the scene and then she finds out, it's like, Oh god, you've been calling him and it kind of reminds
2: me of like watching an episode of the L word. <laughs> There was that one line where a Joker shows up at the house and she jumps in his arms. Oh, that's how humiliating, how just dis- like uh, just like you've set us back decades, girl. What's going on here? Just like that dismissiveness towards Harley at that point. Yeah, and there's definitely yeah
0: that scene just before the before the end, before the titles. You know, she says <laughs> and
2: she throws oh, much right, right at her. Just, fuck it. you'll never learn at this point. Yeah, yeah no,
1: it's great. Um, but that's, that's the cycle of abusive relationships though. And, uh, yeah, uh, Steve Gladstone and I like 10 years ago, wrote a, wrote a horror script that kind of went through like the cycles of an abusive relationship and how you end up, um, you constantly end up falling into the same kind of relationship over and over. And it seems like there's no end at times, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's an old tale, but it, it, it works and it works in this episode. I think it's, genuinely one of the more engaging episodes from this uh this quartet it's funny to think that these two were never thought to be put together
2: and now that i see them together i can't see them apart and maybe it's hindsight but they are perfect they are perfect to go together ivy is the straight woman goofy uh, uh, harley is the goofy uh, as is the goofy woman and they work they just work well together as characters and after watching this
0: episode, I realized that when you seen the Harley Quinn movie or the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Missing Poison Ivy.
2: Yeah. They've won.
0: And it, it made me realize, like, I always kind of wonder in my head. I, I could never figure out what these were missing. Whether it's Robbie playing it or whoever's playing Harley Quinn for some reason. that These are not really popping in motion picture world.
2: I was gonna say, they got a five Ivy, Ivy really to yeah.
0: balance her out. This would make that make would actually give her her motion picture career that they keep trying to push at us with Harley Quinn because it is the, a great.
2: Character. Apparently, if Birds of Prey hit big, the next Margot Robbie Harley movie was going to be Harley and Ivy. uh That was Margot has said in interviews that she wanted to do that and kind of needed birds of prey to hit big. If we wanted to see that.
0: Well, they should have done that.
2: We should have started with it. Yeah. Well, the, the, well, the problem is they started with Jared letter Joker and that was such a shit show that they didn't even think to do, but everyone agreed. Margot was the only really solid thing about that movie that they wanted to keep aside from Amanda Waller uh, that they wanted to keep. And it seems like, they're rebooting everything in the uh, in the DCU, with the exception of Amanda Waller, uh, John Cena. Uh, I think the Blue Beetle. They're st- They're having him stick around. Okay. I don't even know if Margot's coming back. I-, I I have no idea. For uh, I- there's rumors she might be playing uh, Miss Fantastic, or or, uh, or Stu Storm, or Stu in uh, or Sue Storm in Fantastic Four. There's, I don't know if that's true, but there's rumors that she's gonna try that again, huh? Yeah, well, she might get uh, that, she might have turned that down. All I know, I know that they have their Fantastic Four selected, but until the strike is over, they can't announce it. But I mean,
0: uh, I mean, what's quite, what's quite interesting about, what's quite weird about that whole thing, anyway, is that, you know, we do have a Harley Quinn animated series out now,
2: and it's fantastic,
0: and it's got great reviews, it's got, The lesbian connection there. It's got all that in there. A lot ruder than we were expecting, but it works fantastically well. (laughs) But, and so you just kind of, and the thing is before Birds of Prey came out, this was going. So you're just kind of thinking, yeah, where's the disconnect with this going on here? Because, because the thing with Harley is like, yeah, it's okay to have her wacky or doing whatever, but you gotta have something that either has to balance that out somehow. Yeah, and the Joker balances her out because the thing is, no matter what she's doing, the Joker at any point can turn and just turn her into mincemeat.
2: That's the thing. Or, he has that psycho drop where he could just on it on it. Oh, that's funny. You're laughing at me. Okay, I'm gonna rip your face off. Literally, there were a I'm couple of moments ienus. in
1: this episode where they went where they did that too. That yeah.
0: was yeah, yeah, and. So that's what works with Harley Quinn, but what works in this episode is that now we have Poison Ivy and I mean, even though Poison Poison Ivy is one of those criminals that even though what she's doing is against the law and she is killing people or, or doing whatever she is to people, but there is a there is her moral compass there, the reason why she does what she does. Yeah. So that balances in this episode that balances balances harley out because she even though you know she's a criminal or whatever like this there is a moral compass to harley i mean to poison that balances harley out and it gives her that family structure that but harley wants harley wants that family structure that's what she's yearning for and even, even you know every time you see her with the joker she's looking for that you know she she's yearning for that love and that companionship she's just looking not,
2: for I, love in all the wrong places
0: yeah she's very codependent
2: very very codependent because in a way
0: she's kind of codependent on Harley Quinn anyway in this episode to a certain degree
2: just i think it's not, balanced not to the ex- yeah it's more of a balance i think it who. I, think- uh, I i think Ivy recognizes that we worked well together maybe there's a little bit of I can rescue you from yourself because you're so much. Uh, you you were a doctor. I'd like to think that maybe they in their times when they're sitting in their man shirts having a. There's a couple of times I'm looking at the visuals and I and my brain went. I'm like, what is the showgirls? Are they going to start arguing about the chips? Yeah. And uh, but the the um, I'm what they probably talked about it. You were a, a therapist. You were a, you were a licensed therapist. You you're a doctor. Uh, you you, you had so much more. Why are you playing second fiddle to this abusive asshole who's treating you like crap all the time? And the, it definitely feels like, no, I, I'm trying to save you, girl. That, that That's at least the way I, I, and then whenever Harley steps back and falls back on the arms of the Joker, it's more like, oh, God, fuck.
0: Well, the thing is that they weren't both criminals. They would be like the number one power lesbian couple.
2: Absolutely. My A
0: God, scientist, yes. scientist. Yeah. A doctor. <laughs> Absolutely. They wouldn't have to steal anything, actually. <laughs> no. <such>
2: careers. <laughs> Dr. Pamela Isley, Dr. Harley Quinzel. Uh, they're right there. You get the, 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 yeah, on the face of Gotham uh, today. They'd be at the fundraisers with Bruce. Something yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, this is alt-world uh, Gotham. This is what happens when they- with Bruce actually used his money for good instead of trying to fight crime (laughs) actually used his money to clean up streets the right way
0: well seeing this actually what I found also quite interesting is with um, the Batman when Batman's kind of introduced to what's going on here yeah he's kind of like he's almost kind of like reluctantly (laughs) getting involved I think he's quite enjoying what he's seeing and it, it felt like kind of weird because even though he, he's doing it out of a sense of duty but he doesn't feel like he really wants to
2: i know wants... this i know this is pissing him off so i'm fine with it
3: <laughs> i yeah. know it's
2: the enemy of my enemy is my friend right now now oh she's breaking yeah. the law but
0: she's he's also she's got a soft off, spot but, pissing, but his... it's pissing joker off and i'm quite like enjoying this but i got but uh, but because Cause he kind of steps in when it kind of goes a bit too far. I like I better step in now. <laughs> kind of step in. But now.
2: he's got a he's got a soft spot for the uh, the thieves who just happen to be hot ladies in spandex. He, 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 I'll let them get away with it. I'll let them I'll let him slide a little bit here. I'll take them down eventually, or at least I'll let them get away without the goods. But you know, he, yeah. he does have a little bit of a, a soft spot for that. And yeah, I don't I do mind think- hustling them every now and then yeah i don't i i absolutely do think that he didn't mind it's he i know this is twisting the knife of the joker or twisting the knife in the back of the joker so let it happen i'll stop it eventually i could take him down at any point i've taken him down at any point in the past let, well, let this Ivy
0: also mirrors catwoman a lot because yeah. it's about doing what is right for the, whatever cause that is it's not about personal riches so and be, and because of that i think it becomes i think it becomes kind of this weird power struggle because even though what poison ivy is doing i mean she's trying to save the planet really yeah oh
2: absolutely
0: you know it's just going the wrong way about it she's like an eco-terrorist you know if she was real she'd have being dreads and being tying herself to a tree
2: I
1: was gonna say, <laughs> just destroying just destroying po- priceless where, works of art yeah which might have been where the harley quinn movie would have gone you just get someone hot that you know is in dreads and stuff
2: i i I think on if they i my brain goes to emma stone that i think she could have played a harley or uh poison ivy uh off the top of my head but you know there's plenty of other redheads out there i think I think i think
0: she would have been fantastic just as long as they stayed away from catching her up yeah and that's the, I mean, that's the problem when we got poison ivy in the Batman films. It's like they didn't know what to do with her, so it all looks out a bit.
2: Uma was, yeah, I I love Uma in that movie because she's she's just completely committing. So uh, there there's some level, yeah. regardless of the amount of camp that is in that movie, uh, if you, the level of commitment from every actor, I do appreciate, and I I, I the movie itself is trash. Yeah. But the fact that everyone committed to that trash, I do there there is an earnestness to it. I mean
0: it, it's it's got this weird watchability to it, but what I'm saying yeah. is that they didn't know I mean I also think that I think there's the superhero movie problem where yeah. basically is the first movie you have one villain and you develop that villain and then you have the super and you're developing the superhero. So you got so you basically got these two things, and then by the time they meet together, you got this great movie. Then by the sequel, let's add two villains. So we're trying to flesh out the story of these two villains, which basically they do half-ass both of them. So you don't really get a full-fledged story. So I thought so. You know they did it with they did with the Spider-Man's and they with you know when they brought Venom in and then they had someone else in at the same time or um. All of them do it, you know. Yeah. But Even the last Batman, when you had Catwoman running around with the with the, the
2: last Batman, you had Catwoman, you had uh, the Penguin, Pain. you had the Riddler, and you had the and then and you had the Joker. Oh, uh, uh, the the Matt Reeves Batman. You had yeah. all four major villains in one movie, and it's uh, problematic. It, it is it, <laughs> by the end of the movie. <laughs> I, I I like the movie watching it, but Joe and I have talked about it m- numerous times. It is a it is a on its re in each rewatch it gets less and less um uh I, I uh I guess it But that's it's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, here's the thing though. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to get overwhelmed and, and not see the movies over and over again, but you start realizing, God, this okay, this movie really Is boring, and maybe I was just into the theatrical experience. Maybe I was the big big IMAX, seeing it on the big screen. The 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 feel of like this, you know, the rumble under the seats. You know, maybe it's more the experience and the nostalgia of the first time that you're seeing it that you kind of mask yourself to the individual flaws, like in the fact middle of the second act kind of dies the movie should have ended when the riddler was caught uh, you know there's certain aspects of that movie where you're like eh, it, it just kept going for another 35 40 minutes and it really didn't need to it's kind and, of you get that in
0: christopher nolan's um uh, Knight. That's
2: yeah, the last, the last
0: one yeah that one was a great character bane's a great character but because you got these two people in this neither one's developed very well
2: and then in the last act, you find out that oh, by the way, she's being uh, one of the villains is being bankrolled by a third villain. Uh, you know, the, the son of the original villain or the daughter of the original villain. Yeah, so, and
0: uh, yeah. because you get to because you but yeah, if you only have one, like I mean, if you look at any of the original Batman brothers, Tim Burton's Batman with Michael Keaton and you and Joker, and you have the Joker being storyline being flushed out with the bats that works out fine. Or whether you have the green lantern and Spider-Man, that works fine. Once you start adding a second or third villain into this, who hasn't been established beforehand, it gets, you You tend, it gets a little bit messy. And I think that's probably sometimes, I think that's what suicide squad is. So you're kind of being introduced the first suicide squad. You're kind of getting all the introduced to all these different. Anti heroes or villains pointed together and it's like by the end of it it's like I hardly remember any of them
2: and also the way that movie was edited between the music video from the music video company that or the trailer company that did it you have all the quick cuts you have all the music sequences and then the introduction of the characters you get flash uh, cliff notes on the screen I remember I only remember Harley's uh, because yeah. in the fine print they explicitly said she and the and the Joker beat Robin to death and and confirming that, you know, like what you the visual that you saw in Batman v Superman of the suit with the paint on it, like, no, she helped have a hand in murdering Robin. Uh-huh. And so you're they're giving like, OK, you're giving me backstory for this world, but you're not doing it in the form of something that's digestible. It's a quick cuts of uh, funky font in like multi neon lettering that uh-huh. if I don't see it and I don't read it quick enough, well, I'm 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 screwed. Uh, I'm yeah. not going to pay attention to that, and it felt like I I've heard people compl- uh, talk about like with the original Star Wars, they dropped you into this world. The war was already going on. It was just an individual story told in the middle of of a bigger a bigger thing, and you didn't need to know the beginning. You didn't need to know what happens after. It just needed to know the individual story, and you're just dropped right in the middle of it. It felt it feels like Suicide Squad. And Batman v Superman, we got dropped into this grand scheme in Zack Snyder's head that, outside of his most hardcore, ardent supporters, no one would ever fucking have any understanding of whatsoever, and I have, have
0: any understanding of any Even even with the extended cut,
2: I I still get lost. <laughs> I, I watching the extended cut. I fully admit Batman v Superman the extended cut is a better movie. Because you, or he's such a shit editor for his theatrical versions that he cuts out anything that might make his movies make a lick of sense. Just because, oh, it's a cool visual; it looks good. Yeah, hey, we can do
1: this. Director, it? actually, and such a shit storyteller, actually. He makes
2: good music videos. He makes good five-minute music videos. The beginning yeah. of Sucker Punch is great, and then it goes downhill from there. <laughs>
0: Can you, can you watch a music video and have a straight story in a music video? No.
2: I think I will Don't go as that. far as to say yes with the opening of Sucker Punch. I will say his music video of Sweet Dreams, it, you, oh, get yeah. the entire, you get the entire movie of the movie to the point that by the time I the movie starts, I'm like, oh, so she's just getting lobotomized. Why the fuck do I need to see this? This is, her li- this is her life flashing before her eyes. Spoiler for a near
1: 20-year-old piece of shit movie. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. sorry. So yeah, go yeah, back it's to it's the that. Yeah. The big issue with the Batman, and yet it should end when the Riddler gets caught. It absolutely should. But it's kind of a symptom of the problem in all these movies in general now, which is they can't just be a self-contained movie anymore. And and we saw the other night we watched, um, God damn it, what uh, fucking uh, sequel that we watched the other night? Which one? We've watched a lot. Uh... The, uh, uh, Escape Room Two. Oh yeah, we saw Escape Room Two. Can we just have a self-contained movie anymore? Does everything at the end have to set up for a potential sequel that might never come? Can we ever have a in story the, in just the case, fucking wrap up? I agree with you.
2: In the case of that one, that's an exception. The movie was tracking so well that they tacked it on and greenlit it bef- before the movie came out because it was tracking insanely well from the trailer, and it was a gamble that kind of paid off because the movie did do the first one did do well. I still okay, think yeah, but it but doesn't oh. pay off for
1: the second one. We never got a third one. I don't think we ever will. No,
2: we never did. the, the sequel bidding in the second one was stupid.
1: That, That's what I'm talking about. Can we ever have a story just wrap up, or is every every movie ever coming any movie that ever comes out going forward always going to leave strands open just in case we might get a fucking sequel? And it, it's ridiculous. Just tell self contained stories. Everyone yeah. is. I kind, of, I, kind agree. I
0: kind of agree because let's take one of the biggest film series anyway and even though they are sequels or whatever like that but let's take Harry Potter for instance they all end yeah comes are conclusions but they're able to still continue forward and without you feeling like you know like back to the future part two <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> But even the
1: Back to the Future movies, um, they knew. But, the but, but I think, the I last think you
0: one. come to a conclusion, and the thing is, yeah, you can keep a thread open somewhere if you needed to pull that to bring there. But you don't need to keep it totally open. You know what I mean? This is like, you know, close down, close up, come to a conclusion of everything. Maybe leave a slight thing that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, but that thing that really doesn't mean anything that you didn't close can mean something as you develop it for the second one the
2: uh, for every I mean, yeah for every movie that does it right whether it be like you know you leave it open ended not open ended but you leave some threads here like oh okay like i'd love to see a movie continuing in the uh um uh carl urban dread universe i'd love to see a movie continue cuz it was a self contained movie but you set up a world that i'd want to continue in there's certain things that i'm like i yeah, you set up a world characters it, still exist yes the characters still exist and you don't alter who they are or at least show the growth that they gotten from the original movie well, look at the
0: alien franchise that's like that. yeah each alien movie ends okay yes i mean maybe some of them are better than others but they weren't they didn't end with the process that we're gonna make another one
2: no they didn't they, they, the first she, one ended with the uh, way she gets away the second one ends with that third one ends with literally for fucking sacrificing herself it's kind i you can't continue said, on. She, said
1: she wouldn't come back unless they killed her <laughs> every every so friday the thir- almost every friday the 13th movie which for years for decades have been the standard bearer of being you know the most awful thing in the world even they do it right yeah, yeah. and that story up oh, jason's eyes opened I guess he's not totally dead, so you can do another sequel, and you can keep going for the most part. You Let's know, just eight, to be,
0: to be honest. I mean, the three Friday 13, the thirteenth. The only time we really get that anyway is by the sixth one,
1: because the before fifth, that, fifth. They oh, yeah, didn't,
0: the... Paramount didn't keep wanting to make another one, it's just that they made so much money that we have to make another one because these are cheap. We can make money off this, but but it's only. I think well, it's it's after. It's when he comes back
2: when um, one is its own self contained story. Two, three, four take place over the course of like a forty eight hour period. Yeah, but they weren't uh, they
0: weren't they weren't instructed. They weren't made no, that way. They
2: made no, they weren't one. made that way. It was just they, yeah, kept they, they were retroactive so that way. Let's just keep it going.
0: And Jason uh, doesn't open his eyes after his death sequence until the sixth one, I think.
1: Yeah. When he's yeah. underwater.
0: Yeah, but he's underwater, <laughs> and that that that's that, that number
2: six. And that by that time, they're like, "Well, we're probably going to come back with another one anyway." Yeah. <laughs> you well, know? well, part seven was originally supposed to be Freddy versus Jason, and they couldn't get the rights down. And then that became Freddy or Jason versus Carrie, for lack of a better word. Uh, Jason versus then, the Carrie knockoff. Carrie knockoff because we couldn't get Carrie. Yeah. Carry, you know? and then but of yeah,
1: part- even the Friday the Thirteenth movies got it right because they'd be like, "Okay, well, Jason still exists out there." Well, even
0: Chucky gets it right.
1: Yeah,
0: true. Um, even Freddy gets it right. Well, Chucky, I yeah, mean, Chucky has luck- and,
1: okay, we might have defeated him for now, but Freddy still exists. Chucky but, uh, and
2: Child's Play had the luxury of having Don Mancini at the helm throughout the entire course of the run, so I mean that that does help it.
0: And the a- only time that Chucky goes loses it a little bit isn't the third one the third one's a bit of a mess it always has been
1: always has been yes absolutely and yeah uh, when don mancini got his hands back on it uh for bride of chucky and beyond they were all good everything I mean, is TV good series.
0: So- even the the TV, TV great. even the, even the tv series on the seasons and
2: yeah. yeah we're coming back for another season This first one was its own self-contained story in suburbia. Second one, self-contained story in a in a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. This one, we're in the White House, and it's fucking absurd. And I love every moment of it. My favorite show on TV.
0: But you know that's and that's the way to do it. Situation.
3: Yeah, you get your
1: closure that way. If it doesn't, oh shoot! That way, if it doesn't happen, if you don't get, uh, if you don't get a sequel, you're fine.
2: We're not going. I'm still waiting. I've been waiting for 38 years for my Masters of the Universe sequel because Frank Langella told me he'd be back, and I did. He's not back. He's not yeah. from back in Skeletor.
0: You just, you just want your Courtney Cox fix,
2: you know? From being plucked out of, state, uh, out of the crowd at a Bruce Springsteen concert to being thrown into a movie with He-Man, it's <laughs> she's got quite the career. I got to it.
0: Well, she did. She did play Michael J. Fox's girlfriend for a
1: while. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot that job. Awesome. Literally missed the two biggest things she's ever done when you're when you're discussing her career screaming because friends. I,
2: because those happened after. I'm talking at the beginning of her career when she was yeah. found. She was plucked out of the uh, the uh, she's doing a dance on stage Dancing yeah, in the Dark Bruce. Springsteen, dancing in the dark job. And then she her first movie role was was uh Hitmasters of the Universe. and she where, with and the first himself. TV
0: was Family exactly. Ties wasn't it but then um
2: she was a guest on yeah I want to say she was on Family Ties
0: but then um what's her name took over for who's Michael J. Justine Justine now. Bateman yeah um she, she, she I think she dated Michael J. Fox for a little while now I mean not in real life but on the yeah, show yeah on the show so yeah kind of that, and then her character leaves and then the the character another character comes in and that's who Michael J. Fox marries in real life
2: yeah so, that was a common thing I found on uh, about TV shows in that area. Eventually, they just cast their soon-to-be wives and, all right, you're going to be on the show with me because you can't. Apparently, you can't trust me on set by myself.
0: Actually, did you see the Michael J. Fox um, documentary?
2: I've been meaning to. I, I, I. Really
0: good. I hear it's fantastic. She was saying that when he, when he, when she came on that show, he was an asshole. He was a real asshole to work with. <laughs> and she, and how they got together is that she called them on this shit. I she believe goes, it. Because who in the hell do you think you are? He was
2: the big. So what the he one made? You star-
0: made some fucking movies. Who gives a shit? You're working here now. Act like a fucking actor and work with us. Because I'm not taking your shit. And after that, they got together. So I'm like, hey. So Sometimes, you you know
2: to- Sometimes you need. somebody to call you out on your shit. That's called them dumb. out
0: on their shit. She said, and she goes, "The next thing I know is like I'm a, I'm a, you know, become a regular." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But um, yeah, it's excellent. I excellent. It's highly recommended. I'll, it. it.
2: I'll definitely check it out.
0: I watched that. I actually watched that six months ago. Actually, last I, what I watched last week was um, the documentary on Dick Miller.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen see that, that
0: yet.
2: I do want to see that.
0: That guy, Dick Miller. That guy, Dick Miller. Brilliant. It's on over here. It's on the Arrow Channel on Prime Video, so it's available there. But it's brilliant. Highly recommend it. So check it out. Getting back to Batman, I guess we should sit there and I'm I don't. I think we'll skip um, favorite character and worst character because I think that they were all good. I can't think of any bad characters. And there was really
2: no bad ones in this. Only
0: bad one. characters like, I can think is like some henchmen, but it's like they're not. They don't even. After.
1: I mean, the only thing I could think of is Penguin. Really, isn't that important in the third one? I mean, mm-hmm. he's the villain of it, but it just. Hell oh, Batman like isn't as, as important
2: in the fourth one. Huh? Batman takes a backseat in his own in his own show in the fourth yeah, one. Yeah,
1: we, we, we were we were saying that when we were watching it. We we're like there's very little Batman in this Batman episode.
2: Let's let Ivy and Harley shine. It's fine. We don't need Batman I, mucking up the works. Whenever I see Batman take a backseat, it kind of reminds me like oh like,
0: and I know it's animation and it's like, whatever. It's like, oh, I guess he's gone on holiday. <laughs> Places. I was gonna say yeah. He doesn't think it's like you know you'll be Kevin, like well, Kevin's like,
2: got a throat cold that like, week.
0: Well, all in the fat like good <laughs> times or whatever, uh, or the Cosby Show, and then Bill Cosby wouldn't be in it for like an episode because obviously he's gone on holiday. So everyone <laughs> else has to carry for a, carry it on for a little while. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that
1: every once in a while like i have to do my or i'll do my one you know do my one scene and then i can have some time off <laughs> that, that one full season of marriage of children where peggy was in wanker county because uh uh katie seagal was pregnant yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well to be fair i completely get that uh, and she had a tragedy in her life they incorporated her real life pregnancy into the show i remember uh when I was a kid, my my dad used to work at the same building that housed Fox Studio Chicago. And so we went to his office one day, and there was a big stand-up in the lobby, married with even more children. And it was Al being surrounded by three kids, and they're all, like, climbing over him. And so the premise was she was going to have a baby and possibly even triplets. And so we, they were going to go full out. But uh, in real life, Katie Seagal had a miscarriage. And so they did an about face uh, halfway through the season. And uh, Al had this spinoff episode where he was a detective and he was doing like a murder mystery with a Tracy Lords. And it was this very surreal episode, but it ends with him waking up in the entire season, Peggy being pregnant, Marcy being pregnant, all a dream. And and that's how they got out of it. So when, when she actually did get pregnant a second time, rather than jinx themselves or anything like that she took it off air hey well i'm i'm in a car i'll be phoning it in literally each week and uh you'll shoot me from the waist or from the from the boobs up you won't see me below the waist and you won't see anything with that
0: I guess what we should sit there and say well, who's our favorite, what our what our favorite um, episode is, and our least favorite episode. Starting
3: mm-hmm. with you,
2: I guess my favorite episode would probably be Harley and Ivy, uh, just because of the significance of it, and I love their interplay together. And probably my least favorite, and it isn't for no fault of its own, it's just the the weakest of the four, would be the mechanic. I, I think that the absor- uh, the story itself, Batman having a mechanic and the, the goofiness of it all, um, it kind of, it, it definitely felt like the weaker
1: of the four stories. And what about yourself, Joe? Um, Probably Zatanna is probably my favorite. I like the interplay between the two characters. I like the, um I, as someone who, you know, I, I lost both my parents relatively young. I was in my 20s if I met somebody today who, you know, knew my parents, I'd probably want to sit down and talk to them. I'd probably want to, uh, want to hear some stuff about them in their youth. Um, so I kind of, I, I do kind of, um, in that regard, kind of connect with this story. Least favorite, also the mechanic. Uh, not that the story itself was weak. It was the weakest the four. We had a, we had a strong couple of episodes here. Um, but yeah, just same same as what Sean said. Just kind of the overall goofiness of it. I was not a big yeah. fan of.
0: I think my favorite is gonna be Harley and Ivy. Um, but I'm having a difficult... I mean, I guess the mechanics might be the weakest. Though I did like the human interest story caught in the middle. But what was, was framed in the middle of it, well, the Batmobile and stuff like that. So I can't. Yeah, I think it's I mean, a it's really. The characters I think are very strong. Back.
1: If the character ends up coming back, then in hindsight it'll be great, but is he going to? I don't know.
0: this brings us to the end of the literary license podcast next week our next week next month our batman anime series will be shadow of the bat part one part two where we get to meet batgirl blind as a bat and his silicone soul and of course next week we'll be continuing our dark families with the film Kundalanak from 2018 and the hole from 2009 our anthology season will be continuing with Trick or Treat from 2007 and Tales of Halloween from 2015. Doctor Who continues with The Space Museum and the Chase, which aired from the 24th of April to the 26th of June, 1965. And our book to screen for November will be Once Upon a Time, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nymph, and the film The Secret of Nymph from 1982. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Sean. Good night, everybody. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. And see you next week for Key for the Dark Knight.